interested in why people stay alive and why what they believe in their afterlife and how they were raised and are they moral and what is morality and yeah. blah, 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 and whatever you believe in. I mean, we had a guy in here who talked, Warhol Kaufman talked for cons- about conspiracy theories for 60 minutes. He talked oh. about why the moon landing is false. And I was like, all right, if that's what you believe in, buddy, I'm going with you. Let's go. All right. That's, yeah. Take the Alternative. Train. <laughs> yeah. Someone last night tried to uh, convince me of the... Uh, the flat earth theory and i was like i was like girlfriend i love you but you got to get off that cocaine okay (laughs) i just don't i don't get that i don't understand how that happens i mean please we know people are looking for something to believe in so much you know or not believe in you know yeah like when reality is this terrifying i think some people just want to question it at all you know and so that's where stuff like that comes up like you just you look at the world around you and it's confusing and so you're like all right well it's just i want simpler answers and the simplest answer is i'm being lied to it's a conspiracy the simplest answer is i'm being lied to yeah 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 yeah. like a renunciation of complexity which i think was why there's like an anti-science movement in this country you know it's just easier it's like an easier solution to say that uh you know uh it's flat earth and you know with almost like i the the i don't know the reasoning behind it is very questionable and kind of simplistic uh versus facing the reality that science is complicated, that scientists don't really know uh, everything, and that part of science is experimenting and finding out new things that are uh, maybe somewhat frightening, like the atomic bomb, things like that. Well, things fall at 9.8 meters per second squared, and we call it gravity, but why? It's like, because we're tilted on this axis at this certain degree, and we're spinning this one direction as this going around this other thing, like that there's the concept of like orbital science and mass, and I mean, it's all very heady stuff, but people have figured it out, and I I guess they figured it out. Maybe we're all just lying to each other. We're like, I I think I figured it out. Could all be a simulation. How much? Oh, right. All right, Matrix. So usually, Kelly Evans, I ask people to look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, and I ask you first, mm-hmm. do you believe in Jesus? Uh, as a person, yes. As a divine person, no. He was a guy who walked the earth. Yeah. He's a guy that was there who had, uh, you know, maybe some strong philosophical ideas at a time when uh, there were two very potent power structures between uh, the Hebrew uh, organized religion and the Roman uh, military. And, you know, Interesting. He was a pacifist. He brought out new ideas about that we should all get along. The poor man is king. You know, which right. are all really enticing if you have a boot on your neck. And so, sure. you know, you got to think like, uh, I heard a comedian recently talk about like, oh, it was Neil Brennan talking about how um, like, we killed him <laughs> and he's like his ideas weren't even that complex it's like treat other people like you want to be treated like that seems like a really obvious idea so i mean it's understandable that people would want to make him define i mean and they went to great lengths to make him seem more magical than he really was I mean, the Romans at the time, they were really brutal. Crucifixion is a horrible way to die. Not just because it... And a lot of people are confused. They're like, well, they put the nails in Jesus' hands and feet and then they hung them on a cross. That wasn't the stuff that kills you in crucifixion. You suffocate because of the way that you're hanged. They even give you a little foothold so that you can sort of be alive for a little bit until you're not strong enough and you give up and then you asphyxiate. Your lungs like collapse on itself and that you take a breath and then you let it out and you can't take in another breath. Yeah. 
And so you People died horrible deaths. Horrible. For no, for, for what reason? Because someone stole something? Yeah. Because, like, or, I mean, I think burning is also a pretty bad right. way to Drawn and about. quartered. Oof. Have you heard what that is? Yeah, they put horses on one. Oh, it's more than that. They do like they cut out your entrails. They keep you alive. They hang you. They cut you up. They, it's like it's like uh, everything you could possibly do to a person. I thought and it then, was when they tied a horse to each one of your extremities, and then the horses ran in different directions. That's what I thought too. But that's like a small part of it. It's much more. They like cut out your heart while you're still alive. Like it's really, it's very intense. <laughs> I mean, but it wasn't even for like human sacrifice. Could we get all down on the Aztecs for making walls of, you know, human skulls and shit and yeah. and for doing human sacrifice and yet they were at least killing people for a purpose. Like it was to make the sun to god, yeah. right, to them, to yeah. make the crops go and to make everybody live. You had to kill some people. There's part of religion right there. <laughs> right, right, but that's like the basic, but then, but when we, when we kill people in such a horrific fashion, like what we did to the witches or what we, what we did to traitors or, I mean, the, all that stuff, all of those torture devices that were used yeah. in the the Catholic Church was using torture devices against not only witches but Muslims yeah. during the Crusades and they would I mean the Iron Maiden is like a thing with spikes in it that Ugh. you put it it's like a helmet with spikes in it that they put on your head so you're like or in your whole body you get inside it and it's like Jesus yeah. Oh, so I was actually yeah. thinking about this outside, kind of talking about uh, the horrible things that we do to one another uh, <laughs> for whatever reasons. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about religion like, uh, oh, well, religion's caused so many wars or religion has caused uh, so much order for society. And I was like, I think religion was just one way to do it. I mean, I, I, it's not like if we didn't have religion, we wouldn't find some other reason to torture or kill each other. It would be over land or some whatever. You know, we found plenty of ways, you know, to, to to do that and it you know i would say overall in the last couple hundred years um like worldwide violence has been reducing poverty has been reducing it's still a long way to go obviously um but like in a time when i think religion is on a decline kind of globally you know what i mean in some respects like there's a scientific element that kind of dominates society more at least western at least society. western sure i i i can agree with the there aren't as many. Well, and also we're in San Francisco, so it's impossible to tell what's really like the the pulse of people's moralistic standpoint. Oh, I try to read world news, which is once again like who knows what you're really getting. Well, uh, and when you have a moralistic standpoint, it's like where are you coming from? And for me, I try to keep it deeply personal, but a lot of times it somehow gets extended into something somebody else is doing is evil. But is it really any of your business? Like, why are we calling out? the it's the biblical thing of why uh, take the plank out of your own eye before you remove the speck of your brother's eye you know you're yeah. like i'm gonna get the hey you got something over there on your face and it's like you got this huge thing in your face yeah yeah, yeah. You know? i mean that's i think that's a, a theme you see is you know uh those who live in glass houses shouldn't cast stones um but you know regarding judging others i kind of getting into a different territory uh i'm a utilitarian by nature so i think greatest good for the greatest amount of people which unfortunately means some people lose out that does happen but you know more people win i don't want to say use the term winning i hate that term more people uh are able to kind of thrive in life uh than uh with any other possible way that we know of so if you had that age-old question of you've got one person on the tracks and if you can flip the switch either that one person dies or the entire train dies you're killing the one person 
Yeah. Even well, if it's th- someone you know. Let's say your mom's on the tracks or there's a train full of people. There's a thousand people on a train. Yeah. Well, there's And you can either kill your mom or you can... You can kill your mom and have the thousand people live, or you can have the train derail and keep your mom. What do you choose? Yeah, well, uh, there's two ways that that question is asked. It's like the one is, you know, like my mom's on the tracks, and uh, if I do nothing, then she'll get run over. But if I move the switch, then the train full of people will go off a cliff or something. And the other way that they phrase that is, um, like, you can stop the train (laughs) theoretically by pushing somebody in front of it. Um, and then save all those people, but you would intentionally murder someone uh, oh. to do it. So that's that's the it's well I hate the save your mom. It's the fat man in the trolley is what it's called. It's sure. a moral uh, dilemma. Uh, anyway, it, theoretically, there's this gigantic man that would be able to stop this train and say anyway. I'm a sizist, so I say kill that fat fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, I mean, as far as like if my mom's on the tracks, you know, uh, I love you, mom, but I, you know, I got it's it's a hard decision it's to make. For the, it's for the it's for the thousand people but a thousand people is a lot of people that die just for one i mean i would make that sacrifice myself you know if i'm on the tracks i would not expect anybody to save my life and dispel of you know another thousand individuals i mean even maybe, five more people maybe you know? that's the most moralistic answer to the story is push your mom out of the way and have yourself die the yeah. self the sacrifice that's what jesus would do there you go and then he'd turn the other cheek he'd Amen. resurrect and he'd do it again <laughs> I don't have that ability, no, though. No, I don't do any. Or maybe we do. Uh, I mean, who knows? Only what's, one way to find out, right? Right. <laughs> like the afterlife is. Does it? I mean, that that collectively we all sort of, and we don't all sort of want to believe in an afterlife. There's so many different religions that choose, you know, different scenarios for what happens after our earthly demise. And I don't fucking understand. I don't know what happens to. I, I mean, consciousness is weird because I sleep a lot <laughs> and yeah. I'm unconscious and I've drunk a lot, oh, but my yeah. body's still awake and going when I'm drunk. I just don't, my, my brain's not creating memories. So where did I go? Well, that, was that, I there? Right. This is an interesting idea. I think about this a lot cause I'm, I'm honest, to be honest, I'm terrified of death at this point. I'm getting more comfortable with it, uh, as I get a little bit older, um, but I'm just like it's and it's not so much being dead it's like the transition that scares me you know right, right, and then like right. where where is the line like if I get hit by a car and then I lose like a good portion of brain functioning like am I still me like what happens to me like what what is that you know mm. and then so I you know I would consider myself uh, god I, I a deist probably I believe that there's some sort of creative force in the universe but there's no possible way we could ever understand it or if there is an intention I I mean, intention is something that we assign to will, which I just don't know if that's really applicable in this situation. Anyway. So intelligent design. You believe in intelligent design. You think that there's something out there that is a, created the cogs that make the wheels turn. I believe in evolution. I believe in science. I believe in the Big Bang. But I believe that uh, there's some sort of force behind that, you know? And But what that is, I have no idea. So a I would, giant I would, black hole. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah, it could be that. Could be. I mean, the thing is, there is so much that we don't understand about the world around us, physical reality. Like, this is... We have like a sliver of perception of what's really going on and to think that like we could understand like the forces behind that are at work it just makes no sense now when people assign a will to that is like that's you want sure which you know people use that for different reasons some of them are productive i guess well 
that, that makes me think about projecting your own will. That's like Satanism kind of stuff. Like whatever you believe is real and you, anything you create, you like selfishness is the ultimate goal because you mm-hmm. ultimately have to serve yourself and rather than the, rather than the group of the whole, do you find, do you find yourself in your life trying to thinking about service and thinking about helping other people or, or do you feel more like you're taking care of yourself and that's, that's it. That's all you need. I think it varies on the day, you know, I, I want to try to help others in whatever way I can and the moments that I have an opportunity, but, uh, yeah, I mean, taking care of yourself is a struggle, you know, I'm, you know, I don't have like a really, uh, great safety net, you know, like I don't have a rich family or, uh, anyone I can kind of go back home, like, and I'm not going back to Texas, so <laughs> I refuse back. to do that, you know, not going back. So you'd yeah, need, yeah. You need a, a costume. You'd need a MAGA hat. You'd, need, you'd have to <laughs> yeah, shave. I'm going undercover. Yeah. You'd have to shave your beard or make it bigger and you'd have to get a MAGA hat and Uh, Zach Wiseman uh, is in the house. It looks like he has something to say. Nope. All right. He's just going to come sit down. Good to see you. Hey. Hello. Uh, so are you uh, are you in a relationship with any people? I am actually. You are. So I'm you do think about other people on a on a yeah, basis. Yeah. No, no, no. and that's what I'm saying. Relationships like, you're in. You know, I, I guess what I'm trying to differentiate between is like the small things I can do. Like I uh, I periodically have conversations with uh, you know a group of people that I'm friends with, and like if somebody's down or there's some sort of conflict, I want to try to help out to resolve that and like get everybody to get along, and you know so we can all be the great people that we are without getting hung up on like small things that don't really matter in the long run uh voice so, of reason kelly evans uh, dropping in like an angel <laughs> so, i don't know if i'd go that far all right anyway uh but like as far as the world at large like uh, admittedly am i uh volunteering at a homeless shelter no i could do more you know i could and i feel that and that, you know honestly i do feel guilty sometimes that i don't do more i think that you should really go on a pilgrimage into the tenderloin and find that person with a space bag and take away that space bag of franzia and Replace it with a nice '97 Clodoval. <laughs> yeah, you can take the Franzia That's... out of their hand, and you can replace it with even you know like doing God's work. Doing God's work, giving them the better wine. You know what I mean? Like it's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. Yeah, fine '89. You know, mm. was that was that a good year? I hey, I like sure. '95 was a really great year for Clodoval Cabernet. I enjoyed it nice. very much. It's an expensive bottle. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's a long time ago now. Shit is pricey. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. But you know, here's, here's my special deal. This is somebody on the bacon the other day was like, Sue, when you're going to Napa, like, tell me some wine. Oh, it was broke ass Stewart. Tell me some wineries that you like really like to go to in Napa. And I said, the downtown Napa Safeway. <laughs> That's exactly where you fucking go. Every time I go to Napa, I don't actually go wine tasting anymore yeah. because I went to Clodoval a long time ago and I had two free, pa- one of our buddies had passes from something. And so we, they were like $50. It's like 50 bucks to taste there now, right? And then they give you like a discount on your bottle of wine or whatever. But the, it was a $52 bottle of Cabernet. And and then we went to Safeway and the same exact bottle, same exact vintage was 32. And mm-hmm. if you bought six bottles of any wine, you got 20% off. So you could wow. logistically fuck the wineries, go to, go to the Safeway in the middle of Napa and right next door yeah. is the Bevmo and you can actually have a fun time. It's actually a fun afternoon because not yeah. only do both places have wine tastings, they have extensive, extensive selections and then you can compare prices from store to store and actually get the better deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's great stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. Can I just want to add something to this because this is something I do as a career uh, or as a job, whatever you want to look at it as. Um, I think it's like Napa, God, Napa is like such a weird micro 
microcosm of a very large world of wine, and I don't want people to think it represents like how most wine is produced. Because like most wine in the world, you know, you go to like some small producer, it's their house, you know, it's like what their family's been doing for a long time. You know, they're kind of scraping by. They're not making tons of money. They're down to earth people. They'll invite you in. They'll feed you some charcuterie. You know, they'll pour some awesome wine that's like you know whatever they have around. And that's how you know it's not bougie. It's not like you know kind of ridiculous uh i think there's just been so much money infused in napa that it's like now the only people who have wineries or can buy wineries there now are like ceos of doritos or former tech millionaires and so you get that in there and then you know money changes a lot of things sonoma's a little better depending on where you go especially if you get out to the coast like you just there are good people out there that's why i don't really like pursue the career with that much force anymore is because it's like i just don't want to wade through all the kind of uh ridiculous uh myopic like uber rich people that like that's all that they're just kind of like oh oakland is scary why would you go there yeah right well dry creek valley i always enjoyed very much and healdsburg kind of the northern sonoma-y areas Yeah, yeah. yeah why what but what but i almost i almost got into selling wine in my early 30s uh being a wine merchant for a large distributor what what made you go and I love fucking wine. But what made you go like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to I want to be a sommelier. Uh, ooh, yeah. I, you know, I'm the type of person that takes a little bit of a backstory. I'm the type of person who, like, I've, I float around between a lot of things. Like, what do I want to do? You know, like, in college, of course, like, a lot of people, I've pursued a lot of different interests. Uh, I was originally working towards a degree in political science and history and <laughs> wanted to work. Make money someday. So you dumped that shit. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Some people actually are idealists. At least I was an idealist at the time. You know, I want. I know, I know. <laughs> he booed at you me. You got a boo. Uh, I got a boo. Uh... But, you know, like, I was insane. I was really, like, if you talked to me, like, you would have been, like, you are way too intense. Like, you got to calm down a bit. Because uh, I was, About like, history and politics and about, about yeah, civil and, like, rights. changing and... the world and, like, that, you know, the economic structure is not fair to people. Having, you know, grown up in a household that, you know, struggled with debt especially and then, you know, buying food and whatever. Um... You know, like it's a personal thing for me. And so I felt like as an intelligent person, it was my responsibility to like sacrifice my own happiness in order to help others. But, you know, that's very Jesus like. Yeah, it's a bit extreme at the time. Uh, But you can't. That's so nice. You were trying to save everybody. But it's like you can't sustain that because I wasn't happy and I was eating. I was popping Vicodins like Tic Tacs. And so I had a problem, you know, You were giving so much of yourself that you weren't giving yourself anything. Exactly. I crashed and burned and, and then I went back to the restaurant industry because I've worked in and out of the restaurant industry since I was 18 and uh, yeah you know I just like after kind of like basically hitting rock bottom and like dissolving my identity you know I was like rebuilding that I kind of stumbled into it and you have to uh, back up what happened there? You, uh, I mean, where, what is rock bottom for you? Were you? It was the Vicodin? Was the opiates? Uh, it went way further than that. I won't get into too much detail, but let's just say like I burned through like ten thousand in about six months. That's like a lot of my student loan money that I took out. Wow. I uh, I like had a falling out with some friends that kind of like basically in between that and like. But it was drugs. It wasn't gambling or something like that. No, it was drugs. It was, it was drugs. drugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, which because because you were trying to escape from something. 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, like a lot of people, I think that's the case. You know, I just wanted to feel good. I think especially with opiates, it started as like, I have anxiety problems uh, and it started as the one thing I was like, oh, wow, that just like, I'm not anxious at all. I'm sure. comfortable. I can talk to people. I'm friendly. I'm fun. Like just things are popping off the top of my head, you know, like I should be able to do when I can like ease my uptightness. Um, and then it just, then I, because of what was happening in my life and realizing that I didn't want to pursue this career in politics, I didn't like the people that I was quote unquote friends with. Um, I realized that they weren't really going to have my back. And then like a longtime friend kind of betrayed me for a girl that I dated in high school, like high school love story, whatever. You're just a drama magnet. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, I guess my personality. Uh, I am an Aries. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Um, But uh, yeah. So, you know, just everything kind of like clicked in at the same point and I just went off the deep end and I had some, I had a couple people that I used to work with who were like kind of in that world. And so I went very, very deep and uh, uh, went to jail very briefly. <gasps> really? Yeah, I got deferred education, luckily enough. Um, I still have an arrest on my record, but I can get it expunged. I'm telling a lot right now. Yeah, you are. Hey, I have, hey. I've been arrested. Ain't no shame in the game. No, 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 I yeah. had a DUI. I mean, there's... There's all kinds of things yeah. happen. But I still had, uh, you know, it was. It took like another year before I really like, you know, my mom had a brain aneurysm and I realized like I may have Whoa. to be responsible. Yeah, I have a little sister too. So I was like, I maybe have to be responsible for another person. Sure. Like, I need to get my shit together. Oh, aneurysms are so weird. They come out of nowhere. One of my buddies, crazy. One yeah. of my buddies was 42 and he died of an aneurysm. He was alive and then his wife found him dead. Nothing, no change. He just, she came home and he was slumped over his computer and she was like, oh. Yeah, it was, he was gone, and there was no. And the doctor said there was nothing she could have known. There's nothing they could have done. He would just been to the doctor two months ago. They didn't see anything. Nothing was anything. It just happens. Yeah, it's like this crazy silent killer, and you're like, what? Like, yeah. maybe it's a good way to go though, because it's so quick. It's like all of a sudden, poof, you know, the big bright light comes. You see God, and you're gone. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was uh, my sister's birthday, and like. <gasps> I was outside smoking a cigarette, and then uh, we were at her friend's house, and they're like, hey, something's wrong with your mom, and I come in, and she's on the ground, uh, went to the hospital, had brain surgery, all that, and they said, out of the type of uh, uh, aneurysm she had, like, 50% of people die immediately, and then, like, out of those people that make it, 50% of people have major traumatic brain injuries. Because um, it's called, because a brain aneurysm is another word for a stroke? Yeah, well, it's it's similar. It's a brain bleed, essentially. Uh, you know, so you get blood on your brain, which you're not supposed to have, and then that causes that. you to, uh, it basically shuts a bunch of shit down, so. Sure. Um, which can vary depending on where it happens in your brain. Uh, but yeah, whereas uh, a stroke is a blockage, so you're not getting oxygen to that portion uh, of the brain. So that's why it's easier. More people survive strokes typically than aneurysms. Uh, not, I don't know exact numbers on that, but I'm not the, a doctor. Right, because <laughs> of the weird blood seeping through yeah. all your little cranial bits. Yeah. Anyway, but so, so uh, you know, that kind of like forced me into a perspective where I was like, all right, I'm an adult. I need to act like an adult. I need to get my shit together. And like, I'm hurt everyone else around me so i got clean i started working at a restaurant did you use of, jesus to get clean no, no not no. at all what I about 12 step program do not like 12 step AA? no you were like no. fuck it no higher power fuck the higher power i it's can do this even, on my own i mean this par- is me problem i'm not submitting to a higher power i'm not going to say i'm powerless to drugs i'm going to say i do have power against drugs and i'm going to make choices to not do them anymore that's a big so part it's, of it. it's kind of like the opposite of aa yeah that's a big part of aa that bothered me in na was that you have to submit it's a submission 
Yeah, that's know. the very first step is you have to admit that you're powerless over the or the drug has power yeah. over you and you are a powerless human being and uh, choose exactly. one. Exactly. I think your your power ranges depending on the, the day of the week. I think some days you are <laughs> in control and some days you're not and it's your job to be aware when you're slipping and then just do whatever you can to prevent you from making the wrong decision in that moment. Peanut Gallery Zach Wiseman has a comment about drugs. Uh, never stop doing them. This guy's a loser. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, I think a lot of drug problem comes with from like uh, not teaching people coping mechanisms, and um, yeah. that submission to like a higher power thing isn't necessarily like I didn't understand this for a long time because uh, it they push it as God, yeah. but like uh, I do a lot of hallucinogens, so I understand it in that fashion. Like, and also so did the uh, the whoever the founders of AA, they were very uh, yeah. acid guys, and it's like. Uh, it's realizing that you're a fucking puny thing and that these problems are kind of minuscule. It's like a framing thing, more or less, you know? And I don't think... I mean, you don't need a God thing, but it is, it's is—it's good for your mental health for whatever reason. Yeah. To have a God thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good for your mental health to have a God thing? Yeah. I think that real. varies. I think it varies person to person. I Also, uh, God to God. Like, uh, okay, the tr- Christian God, uh, he loves you no matter what, you know, all loving, blah, blah, blah. To think, like, this is what I do to get good at stuff. I hate myself. And I make something, and it's good, but it's not that good. And I could do better, you piece of shit. You better fucking do better. Uh, and that makes me get better. I get better at stuff. But I'm also miserable. Sounds like the voice of uh, a dad, possibly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's Maybe, like a stepdad for me. Yeah. But um, if you take that same equation, and then you put an all-loving God in there, it, it like, totally dissipates all the fucking, like, hate I have for myself. Because this yeah. guy loves me, and I'm, you know, doing... And he's fine with it. And it's like a, it's like a little loophole in that system. Yeah. Listen, I'm no Bill Maher. I'm not like anti people's belief in religion, and and I think AA works for people who use AA. I was just saying personally for me, actually, like good good job. That good was job. my thought process at the time, and still today. Now I definitely embrace therapy as an option. Having somebody else who is a a rational, sensible person, kind of being able to give you perspective on what's going on in your life and be like, okay, you know, just as a metric, uh, that's fucked up. You need to do, like, not in that is language. Is that how you got out of the hole? Was through therapy? No, no, actually. It was just, I just you. You bootstrapped it. I just did it on my own. You I bootstrapped fucking bootstrapped it. it. You're like, yeah. I'm yeah, going to get this done. Yeah. That's insane. But I don't know if you that's necessarily the best way to do it. You know, sure. like, But it worked for you. Like, I want to take therapy now, but it's every time I've tried to go to a therapist, I've always been very dissatisfied with the results. Like, I went to a therapist in college and she just, like, stared at me vacantly <laughs> i went to like a, a child therapist after my grandmother died it was like kind of like oh everything's gonna be all right i was like i never really like i went to a couple therapists uh, since then and it's just like the, with it never clicked but the thing is like rather than give up on it i just need to find the right person sure you know? sure i think a lot of therapists like voyeurs or just like too supportive which doesn't help you know, yeah if you're all everything's good then why am i fucking here? yeah why yeah, yeah exactly. why am i giving you 175 dollars an hour if everything is great yeah i don't want it's okay i want like okay here yeah you have a problem but you know let's talk about it and here's like a constructive way to look at the world. Yeah. You know? So wine, good opiates, bad. How much wine do you say you drink? <laughs> wine is your job. I mean, that's why I couldn't ever be in the wine industry yeah. is I, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a drunk. Yeah. So like I love, I fucking love, I love drinking. I love day drinking. Yeah. I love drinking for 14 hours at a time. I love it when I can start in the morning at like 11 with some whiskey and coffee and I just kind of go whiskey and water and then I start to beer and then when the sun goes down, I don't drink any more whiskey and I can drink all day long and even almost until like 11, 12 at night. I'm a little older now, so maybe we'll say 10. So I can do like, you know, 11 hours of solid drinking and I love it. 
Uh, but I don't think I have a problem because I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't do it all the time. But you switched like how much if that's why I couldn't have a job because I'd be like I'd constantly drink wine. Yeah. I just I, I fucking love that shit. So your addictive personality didn't, didn't bleed over into alcohol? No. Well, here's the well, for a couple reasons. Do you think it's situational? It no, nah, it's just really specific to opiates. I think okay. it's really specific. Yeah, to opiates. I like everybody. I, not everybody. Some people have a drug of choice. DOC. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you've heard the acronym. Um, and that was mine. That was right, mine. Yeah, so yeah. and that's my weakness. You know, and not that I haven't done other drugs habitually, but I've never been like I can't control it. You right. know, I just this love is it like so much. I can't control it. Right. You know? So and that's why it's why it's dangerous. With alcohol specifically, like I like the negative effects outweigh the positive effects for me so and much. Immediate. Specifically, the feeling like shit and like hangovers hit me really hard and really quickly. Like I could be drinking and already start having a headache. Oof. Like even after a couple hours of drinking. Oof. Now I like to drink a little bit. I like I feel like uh, just like a little bit of alcohol kind of like you know loosens me up just the right amount. Mm. You know I feel I feel comfortable um but like too much just it takes it too far for me so yeah. I, that's that's why i've been able to control it and honestly this is gonna sound a bit ironic but uh, i don't really drink that much wine anymore mainly because it like gets me way worse of a hangover than anything else sure, so the I, stick tannins. To, I stick to gin i stick to gin mostly and i drink mostly white wine if i do drink wine interesting yeah so what's what what do you recommend to people and do you do you like doing it like it's because you're dealing with people that have lots of money yeah sometimes i mean not always i also work at a wine bar right now and, uh, that, and i like that because it's more casual yeah. um you know i i also do wine tours and honestly I, I enjoy that the most right now just because i get like a long conversation with people over eight hours versus like a short interaction sure but i think if honestly if i was going to stay in the industry i'd rather just like open a wine bar and just have it be super casual low price wine people just come right. and like eat and hang out and get a little tipsy and just have like it's about the people not so much the wine i think what i recommend to people people's based on what they like i think i know what uh, a balanced wine like just from studying and drink and like tasting and drinking and educating myself i know how to evaluate things that are like this is quality and this isn't but there's like a wide range and like just like comedy just like art just like anything a lot of it's subjective a lot of it's what you prefer i think food and drink especially are subjective because everybody has different tastes some people like to eat like nothing but asparagus all day long <laughs> while other people are like i need a steak immediately you know so um you know, what I recommend is like, I just a conversation. I ask them, do you like something like fruit forward or dry or whatever? Some basic questions and that kind of gets me Okay, there. so what's like a great uh, $10 bottle of like dry Merlot? Oh, I don't even know Merlots, man. I like I, Merlots are so. Uh, Pinot then. Pinot then. Pinot. Merlot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ten dollars. I don't know. You probably find Deloche. I don't think that's too expensive. The problem with Pinot Deloche. is Pinot Noir is super expensive right now, uh, just because of Randy. a stupid movie called Sideways. Yeah. Uh, not. I mean, I have mixed feelings about the movie. The movie was decently made. You know, Paul Giamatti. Love the guy. All right, but um, you know, basically that killed Merlot and that basically like uh, boosted Pinot sales. So now Pinot, it's like impossible to find for like less than $30 a bottle sure. if it's if it's good. But well, you can it's find also the what, Willamette Valley and the special things where the where yeah. it, it's like coastal but not like the the, the fog comes in just right yeah. over the wine vines and it <laughs> makes this perfect climate for the Pinot Noir. Yeah. Honestly, I recommend European wines mostly to people because yeah. you can get por- you get wine from Portugal, you can get wine from Eastern Europe, you get wine from certain areas of Italy. Super cheap, yeah. really quality, great stuff, easy to drink. Like that's, that's where I had because they're less known areas the more popular something is yeah. the more expensive it gets that's how wine works and like in another 10 years it'll be something else that's too expensive to buy so we'll find something else but like there's an entire world of people growing wine they're growing wine in uruguay brazil they're growing wine all over the world right now sure. like 
something else. Really great wines. Yeah, yeah. Something else will come along and 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 be great and inexpensive. I mean, that's kind of how restaurants work. Is you know, you got a bottom line, you need to make money. So you buy something that's like cheap but good, and then it gets popular because you have a trendy restaurant, mm-hmm. and then and you then can't people, buy that anymore. Yeah. And you buy something else. Uh, I just I came back from. Uh, Italy and Greece, and it was amazing how inexpensive wine was at the store. You could spend yeah. like three euros on a bottle, and you'd have an amazing bottle. I mean, we were spending like I was looking at it, and I'm like, what about this one? It's, it's euro fifty. It was like we, yeah. it was insane. The, the wine was almost cheaper than water. It, it yeah, was. You find garbage wines for like eighty nine euro cents. Yeah, like, it was Jesus. like guys, yeah. let's drink it. But it was. I, I was just so impressed. We drank. We drank a lot of wine. Uh, why? Do you think historically has wine been considered sacrificial? And what's the whole thing with Jesus and the blood of him being wine? And what do you, why do you think these rituals sort of have evolved around wine? Well, rituals have always been important. Do you, you know Joseph Campbell? I uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, big fan of Joseph Campbell. Uh, and you know he talks a lot about this, as, as specifically as it as it pertains to uh, uh, Native American or uh, American Indigenous tribes, and uh, you know, and also. Um, any sort of pagan tribes. Uh, ritual is a huge part of religion. The Catholic religion kind of brought in a lot of that as well. And because uh, it is what kind of differentiates normal reality from this like spiritual experience. And so it delineates the difference between I'm just outside eating a sandwich and I'm in here having a moment with God right now. And somebody's <laughs> like connecting us. So that's really what it's about. I think, you know, it could have been anything. Why is it wine? I just think because wine was such a part of Western culture at that point, you know, the Greeks really kind of kicked it off and the Romans kept that up. And then, uh, it just, you know, anywhere where the Romans were, there was wine. And so, you know, uh, spread out all over Europe. Exactly. And then then the Catholics basically took I don't want to say took their place, but well, Roman Catholic came in. And, <laughs> well, came in as the new power structure, somewhat. But what really what happened is, um, you know, the Romans were uh, a a government essentially, a political body, uh, and not a religious one. And like they didn't really care what you did religiously. You know, there are plenty of different gods. Right, Pontius worship. Pilate was like, "You guys want to kill this guy? You want to you gonna call him the King of the Jews? You want to kill him? Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll do it. Sure." <laughs> I'm your yeah, man. Sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. Whereas, uh, oh God, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So where the Catholics came in and uh, they had divine authority, but there were still like different government governmental bodies. I mean, not at first, but by the time you get to like a, a, a that 1000 AD, 1066, the Battle of Hastings, you know, and like the Catholic Church has spread out enough they you know, the kings are really controlling that area, working with them. But, you know, there were times when they went against the Catholic Church. You know, they had a great schism. You know, you had the false pope. Well, they, he, the one guy wanted to get a divorce from his wife, the king, and he was like, that's Henry fuck VIII. your church. Yeah. I'm going to get a divorce. We're going to call it a new church. Exactly. Your rules are dumb. I'm the king. Whereas if they were, like, <laughs> the government, then they could just uh, stamp out a rebellion, you know. But they had to rely on the fear of different monarchs to do their bidding. Does knowing history, for realsies, because you actually studied it, does it scare the fuck out of you what's going on right now in our world? Uh, I mean, I'm always scared, so, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, historically speaking, I don't know, sure. Um, I think what scares me more is, uh, w- like, we, we're not evolved, you know, I think our ideas may have evolved, but we as emotional people are not evolved, and technology has greatly evolved, and I think it's, it's evolving faster than we can comprehend it, which mm. means accidents 
accidents will happen. How big those accidents are going to be, I don't know. I know a lot of bad shit's going to happen, but a lot of good shit's going to happen too. It's just like, do <laughs> yeah. we make it or not? I don't know. This is like the period in society where we determine if the human race continues yeah, or we right fall there. off. I, yeah. I realized the other day we're closer to like the biblical fucking apocalypse than like we have fucking a uh, machine that rips holes in space time. You know, the, the mark of the beast shit is. I was watching a video, and so uh, Facebook hired uh, one of the, like one of their lead tech people is uh, like a former DARPA uh, mm-hmm. operative, whatever. Yeah. And they said the brain chip is going to be out by 2020. It's like within a year they're going to be brain chipping people. Brain uh, chipping. Brain chip. What is that? About, like mean? neural lace, yeah, like yeah, what yeah. Elon Musk was talking about. Mm-hmm. He's like, like amping up your uh, ability to process information. Shit, to yeah. yeah, the future basically. There's a few different theories as far as like where we go. Do we merge with technology? Does technology supplant us? Does do we like basically become technology, or do we like advance biologically, like through nanotech or something like that? So there's a bunch of competing branches of science right. Right now for like what futurists believe will but be what about what just the human race will being look like. like human what about like getting back to like body hair or something yeah you know what i mean what about like what about embracing you. all like the the organic nature that we've been trying to negate for so long and saying that no negation of this let's actually be human and what it means to be human and not try to what is does uh, hormone does, like, therapy and drug therapy and what, yeah. what about like uh, DNA alteration or gene, gene splicing shit? It's Pandora's box. I'm not into it's that out shit already. Either. I mean, the farthest I'll go is putting like baby blood on my face. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's to, to stay young forever. But I'm <laughs> yeah, not gonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to like. But like donated, you know. Gene, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's say this. If my buddy can't just take was, baby blood. Yeah. Well, right, okay. Let's let's say that let's say that um, Zach Wiseman got in a horrible accident and they were gonna chop his leg off. But uh-huh. if I had a baby and then gave it an abortion and then we could give those stem cells to make you have a leg again, I'd do that. I'd I'd, I'd have a baby and murder it for Fuck you. Fuck yeah. So that you could wow. that's like dope. That's, that's your that's, baby to murder. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But that's but that's because it's I'm actually using the genetics. I don't want to like take out genes and splice them and blah blah blah. I'm like if if I can give you if I can make cells inside my body with like magic of birth and right. then like somehow scientists can use it to save somebody else my aborted fetus i'm um, like fuck yeah so like they don't they're, they're finding new places to get stem cells from so if they don't need they stem don't cells need, from your yeah. baby would you still kill your baby for me depends what you need me to kill it for <laughs> do you need it or does this like i mean a, i don't want a baby anyway so like i wouldn't really just have a baby to kill it but <laughs> <laughs> fresh squeezed baby blood you just stay young forever I apologize. I do this. It uh, takes us off the trail. Uh, but, you know, do you think abortions are moralistically wrong, or do you take no stance? Uh, I think. I mean, I think in some sort of situations, abortions could be considered moralistically right. Yeah. You know? um, Kelly Evans. Listen, I uh, I know people don't like to hear this, but like overpopulation is an actual thing, yeah. and uh, you know now that first world societies are kind of moving into a negative birth rate, that's great. But that wasn't always the case, and you know a big reason why we're not currently in the red right now, like at the moment, and we're still moving towards it, is that China instituted a one-child policy now. Mm. Whether you agree with that or not, or there's a lot of negative aspects of that yeah. for sure. It's probably but, the most ethical way to curb uh, curb population, though. But, but if really, it wasn't you know that, happened? then we would have another billion or more people on this planet. Yeah, probably more. There, there are millions of undocumented Chinese 
for sure. didn't, their parents had one child yep. and then they had another Kept and the they've attic. been living in secret and thank God all Chinese people look the same. I'm sorry. That was <laughs> because they've hidden in the cracks. I'm kidding. They, they don't all look the same. To each other though? That's the question. I don't know. To each other, I think they, but there are, there are millions of people who were born after the the, the one child yeah. rule and they don't have passports yeah. they don't have birth certificates they don't technically exist and they're still there and they're alive yeah. so well, what are we is that, in addition to that they're people? kidnapping women from neighboring countries like Vietnam because Oof. you know they they treasure uh, having a boy over having a girl so now there's like way more men in China than there are women 70% men or something it's well it's terrifying but not even just for sex it's it's for uh, for marriage like to like imprison them into marriage Uh, thank god a lot of them escape and there's resources on the other side of like northern Vietnamese border for them but it's just like I mean there's there's a lot of stuff wrong with that what happened with that policy unintended consequences and this goes back to what I was saying about technology it's like we make decisions that are life-changing or society-changing, mm-hmm. and we don't understand the implications of them until 20 or 30 years later, and, and by then it may be too late. I 100% agree with that, because right now, uh, I'm, I'm 44, I don't know how old you are, but... Um, when, when I was in the 80s, I remember when Ritalin started becoming very popular with kids at school. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that the kids wanted it, it's the parents and the teachers, and they said, put this kid on Ritalin. Yeah. And then we put, we systematically put an entire generation of people on baby methamphetamine that they've been taking for 20 plus years now. It's just we, amphetamines. It's just amphetamines. Well, I, th- I, feel, like, I feel like it's for <laughs> it really babies. Is. I, feel like, I feel like though Ritalin is like, it's safe for babies. Like, yeah. it's safe it's to take because it's Adderall. It's, it's for babies. Molecule. That's it. so it's a yeah, slightly it's like, different molecule. It's that's basically it. the same but, thing. It, yeah. Right. So, with we have years of unchecked methamphetamine use and what's going to start happening? Are we going to start seeing a lot of people that require kidney dialysis? Like what's happening? What are the health problems of the people in my age range and a little bit younger that are going to start cropping up because we didn't have the foresight. We're like Mm -hmm. fucking shut those kids up in class. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Make them docile. Don't teach them. Just make them shut up. Give them these drugs. And then with that usage over time, what happens? Yeah. Well, I mean, two things. One, sure, I mean, amphetamines are a huge problem, but look at fucking sugar in this country. Uh, like, you know, yeah. sugar. You want to talk about kidney dialysis, like, that's a big reason. Absolutely. You know, diabetes because of that, uh, leading to kidney dialysis. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, the reason why people are pumping their kids full of amphetamines is because the way that we educate is from yeah. the 1800s. All right? right, we don't use anything else from the 1800s. We're not using horses and buggies. <laughs> We're, you know, things have moved forward, but somehow we still have an education system that uses the banking method. It makes absolutely no sense for the current technology or where the future is going, or like, or just in terms of how people learn things. Exactly, like it, none of it makes sense. You know, people want to move around because they're curious. They want uh-huh. to interact with the world. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to just shut up. And sit you, you could just take kids and be like, "What do you like?" And he's like, I like Pokemon cards. And I'm like, all right, we can teach you most of this stuff through Pokemon yeah, cards. Math. Yeah, math. You can teach math through Pokemon you cards. Almost, Absolutely. It's ridiculous. Well, yeah. the future is gamification, like basically like VR education, yeah. where it's like it's a game that you're involved in, and that's how you learn history or whatever you want to learn mm-hmm. is by interacting. And the thing is, the algorithm, this is the one thing about technology that I do like, is the algorithm can learn from how you respond to things. So if you do really well with one like method of education, then it starts reinforcing that. Yeah. And so then you start learning at a faster rate, and it's more 
more effective, mm-hmm. more efficient. I like the 1800 like ship. Yep. Fuck these kids. <laughs> Fuck these little babies. That I'm bored in school. I can't sit still. You know what? I couldn't either. I was an ADHD kid and I wanted to raise my hand all the time and I wanted to jump around and I just sat there and I fucking took it and it made me a smarter person and a better person. I think that it's too, we make it too easy. Oh, do you not want to read a book? Why don't we give you a video game to play so you can learn? How about shut the fuck up and learn? How about memorize shit? Kids don't memorize anything anymore. This is why we have that shit though. It's like that frustration. And I think a lot of that is born out of like, well, this is the way I did it. So this is the way you should do it. But we got to let that shit go. That's too conservative an attitude. Certain things we have to be liberal about. Certain things we have to be conservative about. I think one thing to be liberal about is like, you know, how do we, what's the best way to go forward? If something works better, you should probably just do that. Yeah. And like, and I think if people, if kids can't sit still and they did, you know, like maybe there's a reason for that. I think that the thing is, and I've, and I found this with, uh, cause I used to manage a restaurant and the thing you learn is like when you have to make decisions for other people is like, sometimes you're wrong, you know, (laughs) you got to let that shit go Mm -hmm. real quick. And the thing is, if you hold on to it too much, everybody thinks you're an asshole and you probably are an asshole because you don't want to listen to other people's thoughts or opinions or try something that might actually work. You're right all the time. And it's hard to be right all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. And you can't, you can't die on every hill. You know what I mean? Like if people are gonna, Jesus you, you can't you can't die on every hill. You got to choose your battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to yell. No, no, no. Yelling is great. I, <laughs> I mean, I constantly. I have a I have a rant on every show. It isn't a show unless I rant about something. Nice. Uh, so, you feel you feel like you're balanced now. You feel like all the addiction is behind you. The future is now. Everything's gonna be okay for Kelly Evans? Uh, I don't know if i go that far. I, th- I don't think the addiction is ever behind you. I think it's always there. I think the one thing AA does have is like, you know, it's always present. You have to be aware of it. Like I was saying, yeah. you have good days and bad days. And it's just like knowing where that line is and just knowing what the, like I know what the danger signs are now for my behavior. And I uh, avoid those at all costs. Like, it's like, I'm not going to hang out with these people. I'm not going to do this. I'm, recognizing the feelings is like, exactly. it's the biggest part of most things. Well, it's like panic attacks. I started having panic attacks about like four years ago. Oh. And like, I don't have them anymore. And I haven't had one for a couple years. Watch, I'm gonna have one tomorrow. But like, but like, because I, I started recognizing what the signs were leading up to them and the things that were, you know, making me feel that way and making me so anxious. And then I was able to start like rerouting what I was doing mentally to avoid that. You know. Yeah. So are other people not? able to become healthy because they're just not using self-examination is it i think there's a lot of uh, people lying to themselves there's i think there's a huge amount of that and uh i mean i i don't know nobody knows what the fucking cure is for addiction stuff Mm -hmm. but i was a drunk for like a good number of years like most of my life i've been a fucking drunk and uh i'm i'm not a drunk anymore and not like i abstain from alcohol and i didn't go to aa i just did a bunch of acid and it like fucking it like i don't have that monster in me anymore yeah. It's very, I don't know how to explain it, but it functioned. I mean, I just don't fucking, I'll have four drinks, I'll have six drinks, and I just don't want to, I don't want it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to presume to have the answer for everyone. I think it's different depending on yeah, absolutely. who you are. I think a big part that helps me is that I feel like I have something to, like, uh, look forward to and yeah. live for. Like, I have people that I care about, you know? Um, and that really helps. And it's like, I want to, it's not just me. Like, if I feel like I'm alone in the world and I'm just like floating in the ether, then I'd probably be more likely to just say, fuck it. But sure. right. because I'm not, um, that helps a lot. So you just have to find someone or something that, like, yeah, you know, is a reinforcer thing. for you. Like, you know, the, I care about these people and I want to, you know, maintain do, yeah. a relationship with them or this thing. Like, comedy, I think, is another thing that I'm like, 
like really excited about now and like being a comedian is like I finally like feel like I've like I've never been one of those people that like oh Johnny plays a piano or like somebody's really good at acting or yeah. whatever I've never had that thing huh. and it's like it feels like that thing for me like it's like how long God, you been it's comedy? like not even that long like uh, f- on stage four and a half five months uh, but I've been writing since yeah. June so cool, cool. but it's like it's nothing's really felt like that right he's funny know? yeah cool you know it feels good he has he has a good voice and a good presentation on stage it doesn't it doesn't hurt that he's um you know he's good looking gay nah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's new he but he works yeah. Yeah, i see him he grinds he's there at hotel utah every week yep. Dope. shows up here i mean and the thing i appreciate about you is that you're new and you're funny, but you, you don't have an ego yet about it. Like where there are some people who are new that are like, I'm so great at this. Oh God, Why aren't no. you booking me? I'm so great at this. And you're like, I'm doing my thing. I'm writing jokes. You come with new material. You come with jokes. Yeah. You work them out. And you're calm on stage and you don't give off that vibe of like, like me, like me, like me. You're like, here's what I'm presenting to you. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can do. <laughs> well, that's why I like it. It's like, it's an opportunity. Like I feel like more free and honest right now than I've felt in a long time. Yeah. Because like working at restaurants and managing people, you have to like cut off a huge part of your personality and mm-hmm. it just it was like it was like strangling me i felt like su- like i was suffocating so it's like now i feel like i can breathe again and like you know just being honest on stage and trying to find the funny in life and you know not to say that's like i'm gonna do some stupid hacky shit periodically that's a learning process Everybody. you know like you won't like, even realize it's some of the hacky shit and then like a year later you're exactly like, uh, it's tom <laughs> tom's shoes jesus what am i doing no, i it's, uh, seriously my first year and a half I had this joke that was a joke that derived from a bar joke so it literally was completely hack but I used it because it worked every time yeah, and it was so hacky and I didn't understand what hack was until I was at a show at the uh, Black Repertory Theater and there was a comedian who'd been doing it much longer than I had and she said to me I, I did a joke where the where the punchline was uh, business in the front party in the back and it was about my uh, butt hair and not shaving my butt hair and it being very long and voluminous and after I got off stage this particular comic she walked up to me and she goes I've had that business in the front party in the back joke for years that's my joke. And I was like, oh, sweetheart, I'll never use that hacky bullshit again. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't. Yeah. We both, there was another one I had, I thought that I came up with chastity pelt. I thought, oh, I don't, I don't shave my pubes, so I have a chastity pelt. And I thought I was the smartest person alive. Turns out that's been around for a long time. Yeah. That's just parallel thinking. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't unusual or Even new. like, like shit that is not hack, you Google it and you'll be like, pfft the fuck yeah yeah well i mean that's the hard thing is like uh people have similar ideas we live in the same culture you have similar yeah, yeah. ideas mm-hmm. like it's hard to find a truly original like thought and premise it. you know yeah it's true so, that's why i that's why i just i think the what i like to do and what i really enjoy is just like keep writing keep writing coming up with new stuff coming up with new stuff mm-hmm. refining stuff just playing with it and then like just you know if it doesn't but work don't do it that's you know? the actual work and i think maybe because you're of a different generation where you do put in the work as opposed to i'm an do tons and tons of stage time with no plan and everything every word that drips from my honeyed lips is gorgeous I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna record everything I'm my gonna record lips. anything everything and never listen to it again but I don't write anything down because everything is in the moment because everything I think is hilarious and it's like you're lazy but you're not lazy because you're putting the pen to the paper yeah. and working it out and, and coming from a writing perspective as opposed to a 
Yeah, there are different ways to do. I mean, you For don't sure. have to write anything down. Yeah. If you have a That's decent memory, you like how you uh, do comedy dictates how you can do comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you if you are recording all of your sets and doing like uh, following set list like to a T, you are not going to be good at fucking negotiating like a some heckly shit yeah. and like right, thrown right. off and then or or just pay, paying attention to like what you're doing because you, you get to watch it later. I'll just watch yeah. it later and then I'll know what I'm doing. Yeah, you gotta try different stuff. Yeah, get yeah, out of your absolutely. comfort zone. I mean, maybe like you find the thing that works best for you, but you still do other stuff too, just yeah, to like absolutely. challenge your mind and like. And the proof is in the pudding. That's why like stand up is yeah, like immediate. people laughing. That is your proof. If people mm-hmm. aren't laughing. Then you're doing something wrong. But that know? joke worked at the other place. Yeah. What's it, wrong with you guys? Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, always, well, always you, do that. Blame, blame people. And, and and not to say that that isn't true. Very little of the time, like maybe like if you're at an open mic and like it's just comedians, it's five thirty, yeah. and like nobody is listening. Then yeah, okay, maybe in that situation. But if like over half the time that you get up and perform that joke, people don't laugh. That is a bad yeah. sign. Or, or if it worked at the other place and worked here, did you do something different? You probably did something different. And that's possible you know I mean? too. You gotta self-reflect. I think of it like being a wizard. I want to, uh, <laughs> I want to have as many spells as possible, and I want them to work on everybody. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's that's my that's philosophy. A, I was talking about great. That's a great like. Well, I was thinking about yeah. this is like you like. I think the best comedians layer their jokes. They have because who's your audience? You have the drunks, people who are really high. You have the sophisticated people. You have people who don't drink. You know, so you have a variety of people, and you want to try to capture everybody, right? So it's yeah. like you have the little stuff for the drunks to laugh at, and that's really kind of captures mm-hmm. in the moment. You have the bigger picture stuff for the people who want to think about it. Then you have really overarching like threads mm-hmm. that connect everything together. And just like the way like uh, in jokes, I want to give uh, like a pause long enough for the people who are smart to get it before I say it so they're like satisfied with that but then I'm going to say yeah. it for everybody who doesn't get it and I'm going to say it in a funny voice yeah, so that, everybody's happy yeah that's just what I think now though that wolf. could probably change it's a wolf it's a wolf <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not even, that's, even, that's not even a wolf <laughs> so I love Zach's jokes um, well, hey, we're we're gonna wrap up here because we have a cool. we have a band coming in next. But what? Where awesome. are you performing next? What's going uh, on with you? Charlie I have a Evans? show at uh, I'm doing Delirium for Warhol's birthday. Awesome. March 11th. I'm on that too. All right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Have a good time. Um, that's all I have right now. Uh, I just got I did a contest on on Sunday at Cobb's. It went really well. So oh great. You know, a contest. That, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, there goes the neighborhood. Ah, uh, who ever, books that? I can't get on the. Show. I have no idea to ask to get on that show. Uh, Jimmy a, Earl. I hope he doesn't a, hate me. Is, it a, is it a bringer show? Do you have it to, is a bringer show. Oh, I've never show. done a bringer show. Yeah, I don't, yeah, have, any, yeah. I I mean, don't I, have any friends. I, no one will come for me. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, I think, you know, well, not to say that I'm not funny, but I think they also saw that I have a lot of people that I know outside of uh, comedy. So, like, I could probably bring a lot of people, which I did, uh, which, you know, I wouldn't do bringer shows all the time, but I'm, I'm new. I mean, I, I want to get my name out there. I want an audience. I want people to laugh and to show people that I'm funny. So, I'll take what opportunities I can at this point. You Hell know? yeah. I don't think, like, I could be, at this point, I shouldn't be snobbish about where I perform. You know, it's like, I just want to get on stage and try different stuff for the different types of people and, like, see what what's out there. You know, you got to see the world before you decide which part of it you want to exist in. Well, let's book you for late March, early April on a Pantastics. Oh, awesome. So that you have something else coming up that you can look forward to. We'll we'll get that done in the interim. We have a we have a band coming up next. I was at an amazing show um at Bottom of the Hill. It was an afternoon show. If you ever hear that Subliminal SF is doing a show, a barbecue show, Mm -hmm. you must go. It costs only ten dollars and the barbecue was worth more than ten dollars. Like they had they had like eight 
kinds of meat. It was so good. Oh, wow. And there were four bands. And one of them was War Bison. And I fucking love War Bison. They're local. And Birth Defects, another band that I just love. But outside, passing around flyers, I ran into a nice man from a band called... I'm going to pull it up here. I'm going to remember. It's the. It's like the, the somethings. Where is it? I don't see the thing. And I'm looking for it. Now I sound dumb. Uh, the uh, they're gonna be in here in a second, and then we'll know what the band name is because I am a terrible, terrible host. But it, it's not fair. I've been I've been burning the candle. You're at an amazing things. host. Oh, thanks. I've been trying to get people to come to the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 5th. It's only a week away. The band is called These Bastards. These bastards are gonna come in next and, and talk to me on some call me Tim. But. Uh, Kelly, this was really great. Thank you for having me. I had no idea, like, your sordid past. You look, I've always, as I've seen you and met you the past couple months, I just saw you as this really stand-up, completely together guy. And not that past addiction makes anyone any different than that. But just, I see you as this, like, you you present really put together. Yeah. So that's unusual for comedians, because usually they're just piles of dog shit. (laughs) I mean, Zach Wiseman was in here, so... No, I'm kidding. I love Zach Wiseman. Uh, But... (laughs) But, um... It's hey, because usually, and you're you're nice, well put together guy. Go see Kelly Thank Evans, everybody. Go yeah. like him on. Can they they can follow Facebook, you on the Instagram? Yeah, Facebook, and the, Instagram. Kel E Man with underscores in between the Kel and the E and the E and the Man. I know that's a lot. Where, to where can we see you? Do your where can we experience your sommelier excellence? Do you want uh, to tell us that you want to keep that a secret? Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I work at a wine bar in Hayes Valley called Birba. It's B I R B A. Small little place. It's fun. It's low cost. It's just like we have good food and good wine, and it's not like. Like super expensive, so come by. We'll that have a good time. Great Monday nights, fifteen percent off bottles, baby. Yeah. Why don't you start an open mic there? I want to actually. It's a little small. Or not an open mic. A backyard, a showcase. A yeah. showcase. I want to do a showcase in the backyard, which is really nice, pretty large. But I'm still putting that together. It probably won't. Like the, the summer, weather when needs it gets to, warmer. Yeah. Exactly. I'm but you've got the like time. April. Oh my god, that would be great. Oh, I, mean, I forgot to mention. I'm also hosting uh, Watch and Learn this Saturday. Oh, so. fantastic! So I'll be here this Saturday, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get awesome. funny comedians. I'll. I'll probably be here too running, <laughs> running your Instagram thank you so much Kelly Evans I, I wish you luck with uh, starting your own showcase that, what, and that would be so great to have a new venue to do something like that especially with like Hayes Valley nothing's going on in Hayes Valley yeah, not that I know of. Yeah, I don't think so. so. And that, and there's tons of people that live there. Yeah. So you have a built-in audience. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. have a, a following at the place too. So you know, yeah. a lot of people that are regulars. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, for thank me, you seriously. so much. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too, Pam. Uh, everybody, we're gonna bring these bastards in in just a second. Enjoy the weird sounds of um, the our background uh, CD. This is some call me Tim here on Mutiny Radio. We're gonna be right back with these bastards.
fuck yeah. That was these bastards. That was off old and pissed. Uh, they're in the studio right now here on the second hour of Some Call Me Tim. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, so you guys are playing tomorrow night, Thursday, February 21st at the Elbow. I didn't know there was an Elbow Room in Oakland. I thought yes. it was just the one that closed here. Nope. That one opened, I don't know, about a year, about before, a year before the one closed. I think uh, that was... Uh, it used to be called the Nightlight. I yeah, think? it used to be called the Nightlight. Yeah, ah, yeah. and, and I, th- I think he opened that because he knew that the one in SF was was on a limited. You know, right, right. That was going <laughs> to be end, yeah. soon. It would be uh, more condos because that's exactly that's, that's exactly what we need in the mission. Yeah. Is we need to push out artists and just bring in more condos so that untalented, boring people can just <laughs> ruin our city. There's nothing but condos. <laughs> nothing but condos. As far as the eye can live in condos and yeah. have $4 coffees. Right. I know. I, I can't I, believe $4 coffees. Don't do they, it. They don't even have alcohol in them. I don't spend $4 <laughs> on a drink <laughs> unless it has alcohol in it, right? right. Like, even are you that. kidding me? Straight. Yeah. $4 um, drink's hard to come by now, too. Yeah, yeah, you're not getting one of those either. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a $4 cup of coffee. $4 cup of coffee? What's happening in this world? Uh, that's talk about. Ago. I'm sure it's much more than that now. <laughs> I, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I know. It's it's fresh drip press action. I know, and the, I buy it for five ninety nine a pound at Gross Out. So it's like, why would I spend nice. four dollars on a cup? <laughs> yeah. Thursday, February twenty first, Elva Room at Jack London Square in Oakland. Empty yeah. people, these bastards, and that ship has sailed. It sounds like a poem, just in the band names that <laughs> yeah, are yeah, playing. Yeah. And also added is a violent opposition. Violent. Unfortunately, opposition. Uh, Invertebrae was, was on the bill, but uh, this week let us know that they couldn't do it and so mm. we did a mad scramble and found a great band called Violent Opposition yeah. friends of ours they rock yeah. yeah, and they will fucking bring it yep. oh excuse me no I think no no you okay. can swear you can oh, say oh, fucking yeah. you can fucking fuck swear the whole time <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can say fuck the police for a whole hour if you want I don't, <laughs> I don't care you can, the last time you can, <laughs> no, oh maybe we were on the last time we were on the radio I guess it was like radio radio so we couldn't right yeah yeah watch our language exactly and they put it on a delay too so that people can't so they can beep us yeah (laughs) so how long has these bastards been together as a band year and a half that's not that long maybe not that long i mean we kind of were figuring things out for a while but like actively like a year about a year Yeah. yeah actively about a year yeah just a little over a year. I think we found our singer uh, last February, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds about right. And were you all in different bands, and this was a side project that then everyone said, ah, this is the project? Or how did that all shake uh, down? I Well, actually, Alex and I were in a band briefly. How long ago was that? A couple of years ago. I don't yeah. even remember. It was a uh, band called Fastbender, and we were together for about a little, a little under a year. Yeah, we, we only played two shows. <laughs> Made a demo and then it just kind of Fizzled. died of the lack of its own momentum. <laughs> and then uh, we were all doing other things. And the band I was in before this with the drummer, our drummer Tommy that we have now, just kind of wasn't working out. And one day Tommy and I were like, we should ask Alex if he wants to do a new thing and just try something else. And he did. And I thought I asked you. Did you ask me? I don't think. I was it might have been one of those like serendipitous things where Tommy <laughs> yeah. and I were talking about it, and then you were like, hey, we should do something. And then you I said, like, well, oh, I got a drummer. <laughs> yeah. We did just, you know, we just finished this other band. I, I think so that might have been It all kind of came together. And then you found the singer. Who's and, a friend of the and drummer. And then, yeah, uh, we just like. And I also knew. Yeah. There's a weird thing with the drummer and the singer. I actually knew both of them, but I didn't know that I knew them. Yeah. Until I saw them again. Yeah. <laughs> 
And you guys are crazy thrash. You guys are like thrash metal. Would you consider yourself thrash metal? What would you call yourself? There's, yeah. I mean, I just I usually say hardcore just because it's all encompassing and you sure. don't yeah. have to. You know, I don't know. It covers a lot of. Ground, I, I, there's elements of a lot of stuff, box, but yeah. I, I'd call us like hardcore, fastcore. I mean, I mean, there's, there's elements of everything. You know, everything yeah. that's heavy. You know, yeah. we like all everything sorts of heavy, stuff, heavy. So. everything, yeah. but st- we don't really do any like sto- slow stoner type stuff. You, yeah, more yeah. no rock. Stuff. We don't really right. do that, but sure. we definitely yeah. do more high energy kind of stuff. I think, yeah. We almost did some psyche stuff, but then it got eighty sixed. It did. <laughs> As a group, you were like, "It's not heavy enough." Well, Come it, on. Just, it was just I don't know. Maybe it didn't feel right. <laughs> it wasn't feeling right. What? So, what but, are your influences? It sounds like you guys are all over the map. That's anything heavy. What's the? Um, what would you say you're like the things? And maybe not even your influences. Stuff you like to listen to outside your own band. Um, I mean. Well, that's definitely something different than what this band would be about. I mean, yeah. we, I think we all have varied tastes all across the board. Because you love ABBA, and that has nothing to Not. do with it. Well, <laughs> I mean, my, my, my favorite band is actually, my favorite bands are They Might Be Giants and Devo. That's <gasps> so cool. So. <laughs> the sun is a mass of incandescent oh, yeah. gas, a, a molecular burning furnace. furnace. Yeah, with don't get me started. Hydrogen <laughs> and that are heated to millions of degrees. Yep. I love They Might Be Giants. Oh, that was one awesome. of the first bands that I ever connected with because I was, I'm old. Um, Nickelodeon had just started in the day. I'm, I'm yeah, 44. welcome to the club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're, I mean, we're all in the same kind of age. I was, I'm yeah. 44 years old, and so I was okay. watching. We, we've got you beat. Yo, got you really? Beat. You yeah. do? You guys, oh, look, you, guys yeah. look, you guys look young. You Listen look good for your age. <laughs> but there was, remember when They Might Be Giants was on Nickelodeon? It was yeah. like they had a, it was, it wasn't MTV, because I wasn't allowed to watch MTV, because it was like all, at that time, it was all like girls in bikinis washing cars and like she's my cherry pie and my parents were oh, like yeah. that's hypersexualized and we don't agree with it and so but on Nickelodeon they had all of these they might be giants like yeah. songs and videos and they had those cartoon videos I remember they I feel great. like I would like that band I, I don't really know that. You would. I, I, I don't know. It's hard. They, his, his voice is kind of whiny. Their voice, that sound is kind of, but it, you get used to it. It's like Rush, okay. you know? I it like is, Rush. It, yeah. I and love Rush. I, I do too. <laughs> Uh, it's hard though when you, you gotta go, go there, to Getty, you can go a lot of places. You gotta go to Getty Lee Land, but you don't have to. You either like to go to Getty Lee Land or, or you, you don't. don't. Yeah, right. that's either get it it's or you just like yeah. yeah. They might be giants is similar, and and it's I think also um, Elvis Costello. I always really resonated with him when I was younger. I like yes. Elvis Costello. He's alright. Yeah, 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 I don't have like a hundred albums, but yeah, My Name Is True is pr- pretty much a classic. I like that guy. So um, tell me about your your. So who's your so. Top, top three things you like to listen to right now. Oh, geez. Right now, a lot of, um, okay, g- generally, 70s guitar rock. Generally, All right. Generally, Frank Zappa. Oh, wow. Think, Time signature changes. <laughs> yeah. Fuck and me. Then, and when recently, I think of Alex, I think of Frank Zappa. <laughs> <laughs> recently, in the last couple of weeks, oh, well, I'm not going to mention that one, but Voivod, recently, just because I've just discovered their new album, um, and, and really liking it. Keep so. keeping it proggy. Yes, keeping proggy. it proggy. So like and Deep sci-fi-y. Purple. You know, I'm not a Deep Purple fan, actually. I, they're no. one of the bands I, I don't completely dig from yeah. that era. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, Thin Lizzy, all that, you know, all that sure. the guitar rock Never yeah. stuff, Thin Lizzy you know. Myself. I know the other two guys, since uh, they can't be represented today, uh, but they're both big fans of the Dead Milkman and Mojo <gasps> Nixon. You guys are all over the map. Yeah, we're yeah. all over the place. And then, but this, and how do you take those varied 
things from your own life and then create this sound together that's very like heavy and fa- who's writing the lyrics let me start there that's leech. all leech yeah our singer leech he that's writes the him. lyrics it's a lot of his inspirations are like a lot of occult stuff uh, mixed with like western philosophy and huge criticism of what's happening in this area. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> yeah. I love that you guys are going to be playing with War Bison coming up soon, and I yes. love that song that they sang. That's on their new album. That's all about what Forty Five is doing, and it's like, I love it's like I it's it's I never know what what Dwayne's really saying, but I I feel I get the feeling in my heart. No, we're super yeah. excited to be playing with them. Uh, we're yeah. doing two shows actually with them in March. We're right. doing a double header. We're going to spend uh, Friday night the eighth up in Sacramento. Oh wow! At the Veterans Hall. Yeah, and Fair Oaks actually. Uh, Fair Oaks, Fair excuse Oaks. me. It's Fair Oaks is a really neat place because they have um, their town allows roosters to roam free and chickens in the streets. Really? Yes. And so in Fair Oaks, <laughs> it's so weird. They have some restaurants and they have trees in the back, and you can sit outside in these restaurants, and the chickens are just allowed to live in the fucking trees. Hell yeah! And like I roosters it. everywhere. It's Fair Oaks is a weird place. Yeah, y'all gotta Ooh. come down to Fair Oaks and rock <laughs> yeah. with us on the eighth. <laughs> the chickens. It's an awesome. Uh, it's awesome spot. It's very it's it, it is a veterans hall and yeah. uh, where you play is one room and right next door is a bar. Nice. Yeah, where all the Winning. old like VFW hall <laughs> yeah. members are sitting at the bar. Super and drinking. fun. Sacto kids rule. They're so fun and they love yeah. music like we do and we all we have a good time every time we go up there. So we're happy War Absolutely. Bison's coming with us. Yeah. And then the next night, uh, it's their record release show at Parkside, and we were lucky ah, enough yes. to be invited to play there. Yeah, um, War Bison record release yep. with Cold Claw and Grossero. Yep. And there was March rumors 9th. from one of the members in War Bison that they were going to be playing a new, new song, which they felt was their most hardcore song yet. Okay. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and they do a Sounds lot like of a time. Challenge. They do a lot of time signature changes as well. I, I've. That's one of the things that when you mentioned Zappa, I'm like, it's hard to do as a. For, I mean, I don't understand sometimes. Bancy, I'm a stand-up comedian, so for me, it's like I have a routine and I practice it, and I'm up on stage by myself, so I can't really fuck up. But you guys are together doing something, all four of you, and that sort of amazes me that you can have drastic changes in where you were going and you stop and it's like is it completely memorized are you feeling off each other like is it all about the rehearsal uh, do you all write the songs together so that it's just ingrained in your body by a point or i mean i mean it's not, not even anything that specific it's all of that stuff some parts we go on feel or we just kind of watch each other to know what to do some of a lot of most of it's just memorized yeah. you know you, yeah. you play it over and over until you're in sync but i i don't know i think like stand-up comedy is probably harder no you actually have a talent <laughs> I, yeah <laughs> you can play an instrument you know i mean that's no you I, could divine talent in a lot of ways but yeah we're hiding behind our instruments yeah i have three uh, other people and we're loud <laughs> yeah but it's you're loud we don't have to hear anything until we stop but you got to hear the silence 
Yeah. <laughs> that's that, hard. That's, I don't know how they, comedians do that. Yeah, you're on an island by yourself. I don't, I mean, maybe talent isn't the word, but it definitely takes fortitude to <laughs> yeah. stand up in front of a group of people and just like, and it's all you. This is like your material, you know, I've, you know, if something is screwed up, I don't know. I can blame yeah. those other guys. <laughs> have you, have you ever fucked up so egregiously in a show where you're just like, fuck me. I can't, well, uh, what do you do? You just keep going or you what do you, going. ideally you keep going. Well, I mean, that's really what it is, is with experience. And I think most musicians will agree is that over time you learn to make those mistakes, you know, because they happen. They're going to happen as much mm-hmm. as you practice. Either it could be a technical problem where you're just not on your game or whatever it is. It's going to happen. And the whole thing is recovering. I mean, being a musician mm. is really yeah. just about doing that. And Alex, Alex videos every show. So one of the cool things is um, we get to see what our mistakes look like from the other side. Mm, so you break it down like football gameplay day. Almost. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, the big thing is when you're up in front of people and you make a mistake, you feel like everybody notices and it sounds terrible. And oh my god, I ruined the song. But then you go back to the the video and it's not even noticeable most of the mm. times. So you do that enough times and you get to realize that like one mistake isn't going to really fuck anything up and you just go with it. and Trust yourself yeah. more. And as long as you keep the energy up, you know, you, you're always going to have a good show. If you're having fun, I think everybody else is having fun. What's the worst gig you've ever played? Oh, with this band or in general? Uh, let's say with this band because you're pretty new, which means that you must yeah. have had already just some. I think we would agree on one specific show was it specifically the, for us. The Bindlestiff show? No, not oh. at all. I thought one, that was fun. One, two, three, four, go. Yeah. Oh. It was like our second show. Mm. We were playing with all these bands we love. Yeah. And it was just really uh. tight. It was basically what, like five, four, five, five. Four or five bands in two hours. Oh my so lord! It was really three rushed songs. to get going. Three songs. Is that and all you got? And no, then, no. We just. I think we were just not in our best form. You know, just maybe a little nervous. Sharing little drums. Tight. Did you have, sharing, sharing, amps, drums, sharing amps? Sharing drums. Sharing yeah. drums. Sharing amps. Sharing amps wasn't yeah. the problem. I, I think it was just tough, and the space was new to us, and it, 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 it was, was just one of those things. You know, yeah. I don't think it was anything specific. Yeah, you know, it's just it wasn't our best show. It was, it was our second show. Yeah. There, there was a, a friend's band. Uh, was touring from Japan mm. and we really wanted to play with them and so one of our friends in another local band uh, one of um, Alex's uh, bandmates from his other band Conquest for Death uh, put this show together so that this Japanese band could play with all the bands that they played with in Japan and that they got to that know they were friendly with sure so they put us on but they, as a, and they still had a show that night it benders. Oh, yeah, so they had this. a show. So they had we had to end at a certain time to get them over there. Sure. Yeah. So just like a lot of pressure. It was only our second show. We didn't have the on stage rapport we have now, or the confidence that we have now. So it didn't. You know. Yeah. It wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't great. It what, was, yeah. <laughs> what keeps you guys going? Because you're not. You don't get paid that. I mean. You, you, have to, you have real jobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we have guarantees. We have, Usually it's oh, yeah, like well, 2K. No, he's kidding. Okay. We don't make money. <laughs> but do you have do you have day jobs? And what keeps you like jobs. involved in... I mean, because it takes a long time to be in a band. It's not just finding bookings yeah. or traveling to places or being on tour, but it's also the rehearsal and having a rehearsal mm-hmm. space and having that the time money. to do that. Yeah. And that yeah. costs money. And yes. so, like, 
you must really love music. I mean, or what's like, what's keeping you guys going? I mean, I'm not ta- what I'm talking about is like the music industry as a larger scene now. And right. it used to be that, Hey, you're amazing. And we love your sound and we're going to give you a record deal. And now we're going to take care of your bookings and we're going to take care of your promotion. Right. But yeah. that sort of doesn't exist anymore. It's like everyone's their own maverick and you've got to have your SoundCloud and you, right. you sort of book your own shows. And yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all been doing that for so long. Like, we've yeah, been I think playing, it's just what we do. Yeah, we've been playing punk hardcore bands since. I mean, Alex since. I mean, all of us since the '80s, probably. Yeah, and and the thing is, is when I started this, you weren't going to make any money anyway. Um, so I never had that idea at all. Yeah. Doing, I mean, the thing is, I had already decided the kind of music I was going to do was going to be what I wanted to do regardless, and so it wasn't going to be necessarily a money-making project, right? Uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's just forms of music where you could you could possibly have done it then, and it's going to be a lot harder now, obviously. But, you know, you could have... I mean... You know, when metal became the thing. Right. Gone full metal and maybe got a metal band that was doing pretty well, you know? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But we which, just do because we love it, and we can't help ourselves. Yeah. Oh, wow. And we well, love other answer. bands, and we love meeting new people, and we love meeting people that are excited about music. They're just excited yeah. as we are, and want to have a fucking good time. You know what I mean? It's a weird thing, here. too, because, like, obviously, it'd be awesome to, like, play music for a living, but at the same time, like, I don't want this to be a job. I don't want it to feel like a job. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, this is a release from my job. You know? This is... Uh, just something we do you know the job pays for us to be in a band essentially that's yeah, what the band is. is the job then I don't know I when I was when I when I first went to college um I I there was um this jazz band that was basically a class and you try out for the band but you you got graded on it and it was you know you had attendance rules and everything like a regular class um and i hated it i hated it so much i didn't want playing music to be a grade i didn't want it to be a class i didn't want it to feel like work it was supposed to be something i enjoyed and ever since then that's been my attitude about music like i don't want music to be work i want it to be the opposite work is one thing music is another and they never the twain shall meet but what if what if there was a society where you could do anything you wanted and you didn't have to have a day job? Would you choose? You'd be like, well, music all day long. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I like the idea. I, I just don't know how it would really be, you know, to do that. I mean, I think yeah. part of the reason I love it so much is because I'm always... F- like trying to find time for it because right? you, you're hungry you know, for hungry it for you have it, right? to be hungry and for so it, how yeah. about if it's like every day all the time I don't know if I would love it as much I feel like there's still a lot of discovery because there's so much I want to do but who knows if my passion really goes that far yeah what did you what did you bring here CD wise I brought I brought I brought one part of the alphabet <laughs> <laughs> I brought a pile of stuff too it started out with a Japanese band called Vivisec and then it ended up being a bunch of V's so I also bought, bought a Violent Opposition CD and a Brazilian thrash band called Violator wow so it was gonna be in the states in July down in LA what we're making what um how do you find how do you find your music? Are you constantly on the search for like metal? Do you you have a lot of CDs? Are they old CDs? Are you buying new CDs? Is it all online now? Are you just looking on Spotify or SoundCloud and putting in new metal bands? And I mean, what do you? Is it friends of friends say, "Did you hear about Violator or whatever?" And then you listen and. Well, I think you found Violator on tour, right? Yeah, 
these bands that I brought up right now were because of tour. Oh, okay. And honestly, I am super overwhelmed by the amount of music that's out there. I can barely keep track. Um, I rely on friends that turn me on to stuff, other yeah. bands that turn me on to stuff. Well, in Alex's case, too, if I can speak for you, like he, his old band, Conquest for De- Death, toured a lot, and they toured the world, and they, they've been to places like Brazil and Mongolia and Australia, and so and he has exposure work? to music that a lot of people don't in, other, in our part of the world, so he has like a whole different you know conduit to that stuff was that a sponsored tour because or did you your band paid for it sponsored by hours of work (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, no no uh they're they're completely giant losses in fact we mostly decided to play in places where people had no money and we would definitely not make money (laughs) wow (laughs) but the adventures are great and, sure. you know, the, the thing I, I, I got out of most of all was first meeting some of the greatest guys I've ever met playing music with. Uh, and then secondly is going to other um, countries and experiencing culture like no other way. You know, sure. there's nothing like being connected immediately once you're there through the music. Right. right. Um, and then through places the places to stay, <laughs> meeting people, you know, things like that, because you can travel somewhere, but there's no... There's no guarantee you're going to meet someone local or be able to come, go to the house for dinner or hang out with their friends and family and, and find out what's really going on sure. as opposed to being a tourist and just kind of, you know, getting the tourist view, right? Right. So Right. Paying for the tourist experience, which yeah. feels so safe. Um, <laughs> grab me, pick a CD and tell me to play something. We'll play, we'll play one of your, do, one of your songs. Let's do Violent Opposition like. since we're playing oh, with yeah, them yeah, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're playing with these guys and this is... Uh, there's a lot of tracks to pick from, so <laughs> yeah, they're hey. probably very short. Yeah, very short yeah great. Let's see uh, the names of some of these. This is Violent Opposition. Yeah, Buddha's Enlightenment, awesome. Synchronized Circle Pit, Fracking, Love It, Competitive Pride. Oh man, <laughs> these guys are speaking my language here. It's almost like the. It's a. It's more. It's just uh, beautiful poetry. So this is uh, Violent Opposition. Let's. Uh, uh, from give 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 the, the dates area. again. Give the dates again. Of, so it's tomorrow, February twenty first. Empty people, these bastards. Violent opposition. That ship has sailed. And then yes. the eighth. Uh, the eighth is it, War at Bison. Veterans Hall in uh, Fair Oaks with uh, good shit. War Bison, Legion of Malice, Control All Delete, and one other. And it's uh, Jorge's birthday bash. He's turning twenty six. He's a promoter oh. up there. Yeah. And it should be a rocking show. And the next night, the 9th of March at Parkside. I'm definitely going to be at that show. It's going to be fun. For the War Bison record release. Yep. Uh, with Grisero and Colclaw. We'll start here with the synchronized circle pit. This is what my, my boyfriend likes to do the Looking running the into people pit. and hurting them. At the <laughs> and I'm like, Stop. and it's my he loves He loves metal and he'll go out and he'll do. And I can't usually go to shows with him because I don't like to see him get hurt. Uh, and he'll come home and he'll be like, I had so much fun. And I'm like, the bruises on his body. <laughs> and then the next day he'll be like, I'm so sore. And I'm like, you get no sympathy. Yeah, you did I it don't. to yourself. I saw you on the synchronized circle pit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
does violent opposition here on mutinyradio.fm. I am joined right now by these bastards playing hey. with violent opposition tomorrow, That's Thursday, right. February 21st at the Elba Room in Jack London Square, Oakland. Yep. What? Uh, how much are tickets and where do people get them at the door? They can get them on Eventbrite. What can they do? Yeah, door. Ten bucks. Door, ten bucks. Ten bucks, that's it? I think so. Yeah. Four great bands for ten. It's two fifty a band. How can people not go? I mean, You're this missing is, out. It's yeah. a, don't go. Even if you come from the city, like you, it's really easy to get to yeah. by be, via BART. So you're gonna spend twenty bucks to get there and back. Ten bu- you know, ten dollars to get there. Ten dollars for the show. The drinks are like. They're fair. Okay. Fair, fairly priced drinks. Well, the Elbow Room, that was one of the things I always appreciated about the Elbow Room in San Francisco is they had... Great happy hour. Great happy hour till 9 o'clock every night. It was so great. You could get a $3... the latest happy hour in town that I can think of. I can't remember Yeah, 9 o'clock. That's, yeah, it's usually like a six end, right? I think I didn't spend enough time at the Elbow Room. Yeah. They had, it was, it was great. And... The downstairs area was so cool, and the upstairs area was so great for lots. And they did all kinds of different events. I did so many literature events Matt? there. Do you know Matt? No, I don't know. Oh, Matt. Okay, he's one of he's one of the owners, and he always uh, would post like bad reviews of the Elbow Room, and they were hilarious. Like <laughs> these Yelp so reviews, funny. they were hilarious. Man. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, they were great. I, do, I love bars that have like a separate show space like that too, like the Hemlock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God bless room. its soul. I yeah. miss the Hemlock already. Hemlock great. Yeah, that was a great. Spot. But Jack London Elbow Room is the same thing. It has yeah, upstairs. Yeah, it has the same sort of vibe. Separate upstairs. Uh, the show bars spot. right. The difference is the bars right there, right? Like yes. at Hemlock, you can actually go outside, so they have right. a bar at the uh, back. It's about the same size, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's about the same size. Yeah. So it feels really full. Yeah. I always. And like then that. the separation yeah. is a whole nother bar downstairs. Right. Yeah. Wow. A place like that are great. So yeah. the other um, you brought, you wanted to talk about oh, octo- oh octopulpa. Octo- uh, this guy, um, JP. Yeah, he's kind of a one-man band. He he played drums in a band called My Man Mike from Korea. Even though he's from France originally, lives in Korea. Does this band called Octopulpa, and uh, he plays drums. And all the other tracks are pre-recorded. He played them but recorded them separately and has like a video running as he plays and all the drums uh all the everything he does on the drums triggers what the tracks are going to do oh. so he's a computer programmer as yeah. well as an incredible drummer so he's programmed the drums so that like uh, Somehow or another, his computer recognizes certain drum patterns. And oh, knows and it sets what? off that sequence. Whoa. Yeah. So um, it's like instead of having the multiple pedal board in front of him where you like press the looping station, you go boof, and you know that that you're like pressing right. to loop it. Yeah. The drums trigger it in the computer. It's like he's right. like has AI on his side. He's like basically. Well, it's listening for a pattern that he's going to play. And then once it hears it, it sends off the uh, the sequence, right. which is a portion of the song or maybe a whole song. Right. Yeah. And and then so there's video playback of as this music's going of him playing bass and guitar and whatever else while he's playing live drums and singing. It's like old school four track except sort of live. Yes. And yes. like way more sophisticated. Way yeah. more sophisticated. <laughs> and he has different singers from all over the world singing different parts of the songs. Yeah. And they're uh, in the videos. And uh, it's quite know, incredible. It, How did you find this guy? On tour. <laughs> on tour. So you were well, in we had, Brazil? No, in Korea. That's Korea. where he's from. He's yeah. Belgian, I think. He's 
but, Belgian. Wow. I think he's Belgian, or maybe he's French. I'm sorry, maybe he's French. Anyway, he lives in Korea, and then so when we were touring in Korea, he helped set up our Korea. tour, that part of the tour. So yeah, and then yeah. that's when we <laughs> discovered my man Mike. Right. Oh, actually, no, we discovered my man Mike. They came here and played, and that's how we met him. Yeah. And then he set up our tour in Korea. Yeah. We hung out with him there, and then he came over, you know, with this thing. In the small yeah. world of punk, like. Alex's old band played with them. My old band happened to play with my man Mike as well, and so we knew him from different avenues. And then, which is another great band. You gotta check them if you <laughs> like heavy music. My man Mike, yeah, out they're of great. South Korea, incredible. Yeah, um, South incredible Korea. fast core yeah. that will rip your face off. Yeah, I guess it doesn't if you can't understand what people are saying lyrically, anyways. And it's like do a you? sonic but. set. Do you? It doesn't. Well, do you? Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I do. But that's the thing is, I could listen to Japanese punk. And it might sound the same as not sound the same, but the vocals. Like well, sometimes the it's hard to understand. Of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, because with heavy music, a lot of it is just this heavy sound, and sure. it's not necessarily the word; it's right. just the sound. Which yeah. is, uh, this was the strategy I used with my old band, um, which had lyrics half in Cantonese, which was the ah, idea. That's cool. Which was the idea that it didn't matter because when you're singing heavy music like that, most of the times you don't understand everything anyway. And so. do you? have a huge following of, of old Cantonese ladies like on the bus like the 30 Stockton do you just want to like you know, play it really I, loud I wish I did I think that band was maybe 10 years before it's oh. time you know uh, no we had no following it was great <laughs> uh, no no we, 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 we made some connections uh, but that band never really got anywhere I mean I don't think I think also the music of what we were doing was a little bit out of people's I don't know it's out of the box I guess you sure. know it was heavy music, but it was all over the place. So, yeah. Well, this I, we're going to listen to song number five here, which is cool. uh, Where's My Tooth? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'd like to know. <laughs> I, I, I Really, this guy hits like all the bases. Like the, he's humorous, but like the music's still intense. The live show is amazing, but it's not a gimmick. It's musically really, really It's well really good. Done. Yeah, it's yeah. not just a gimmick. And and then he's got this weird, mysterious thing with the octopus mask. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let's check him out. Uh, Octopulpa here.
Joey Toledo. That's a one-man <laughs> band right yeah. there. Octopulpa. One of my favorite bands of the past few years that I've discovered. And completely entertaining. I yeah. mean, you will be mesmerized seeing him. I, I, we played with him on a Wednesday, I think, and then uh, realized he was playing the next night, a Thursday night at uh, the Knockout. And I had already had plans that night, but I like moved heaven and earth to make sure I could see him again because it was just so awesome the first night. Yeah. How, I mean, you guys love music. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's... What else and, are you going to do? But, yeah, what else are you going to do with your life? This is Vivisic. Tell us a little bit about this, uh, Set the Apathetic on Fire. <laughs> They're a band out of Japan. They rock. <laughs> they just broke up last year, I believe, unfortunately, after many years, probably like 20 years. Oh, yeah, they've been around a long yeah, time. Yeah, they've been around a long time. Uh, again, another band met on tour. They're fantastic. Their live show is incredible. They played uh, here last year at Metro. Was that last year or two years ago? It might have been two years ago. Two years I think. ago. Two years ago uh, at the Metro. For like the release of their last record, I Yeah, think. that was on Tank Crimes. Yeah. A local label. I don't think I've ever heard, I've seen a band from Japan that wasn't great. Like, they just know how to do it yeah i don't know what it is japan uh yeah. we're gonna start here with alarm chain handle on opposite wall all right because <laughs> i love the name of that yeah great. um again this is like we'll play a couple songs because i gotta go potty and then oh. we'll be right back here with these bastards on mutiny radio thank you guys for listening and go see them tomorrow night thursday february 21st at the elbow room jack london square it's only a ten dollar show come on you guys like what are you doing with your lives it's a thursday <laughs> go out like i'm stoked i'm not booked tomorrow night so i'm like i'm going out but <laughs> in Oakland and I'm trying to keep my boyfriend safe because he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna <laughs> I'm so concerned oops CD1 
you enjoyed Vivisec right there. You were saying um, off air that there's a weird connection between Brazil and Japan musically. You want to talk about that for a second? You know, I'm not exactly uh, completely knowledgeable, but, but what I do know is that I believe in the 80s, a lot of workers from Brazil went over to Japan to work in the auto industry. And there's some sort of industry connection going the other way as well. Japanese people that end up in Brazil because... I'd actually made a couple of connections where um, I met this guy in Japan, and then, um, but he was Brazilian, and he ended up back in Brazil. And um, I didn't see him again when we were in Brazil, but we did talk and stuff. And then there was uh, there was other people that had that same connection. So you can look that up probably, you know, and see that there is some sort of uh, connection through work, and then now. I'll, Families have been created. <laughs> yeah, and there's a, now, yeah, and there, there's a there's a by um, country kind of thing. This is another uh, Japanese band, Horse and Deer. Yeah, I love this band. I love the art on the cover of this. Yeah. It's hilarious. They're super fun. Got a drunk punk rocker with a bottle on the sand, washed up on with the classic Japanese thing with the wave. Yeah. And then you got a big giant squid who's going to eat him. Yeah. And a whale on the back. <laughs> I love the art for this. But these guys are just, I don't know, high energy, crazy, fun, wacky. One, one of the best bands I've ever and, seen play And live. you guys basically just brought stuff of like, these are people we'd want to play with. Or that... That we like? Like you like? Well, actually, I just went from one part of the alphabet. So, oh, okay. Sorry. So it was like, here are these little ones. <laughs> sorry, I started a V like and stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Horse and Deer. I'd tell you the name of the song, but it's in Japanese. Deer. That was some. I mean, I I'm digging the Japanese language there with the 
with the crazy lyrics and who knows what he's saying, but yeah. I like the cadence of his voice. Um, hey guys, you really need to go see uh, these bastards tomorrow. How did you guys come up with the name before we play a track off of your... I don't know. We have no freaking... I just... We went through so many... The list is ridiculous. In fact, yeah, I, should, something... I should bring that list one day to next, another one of these interviews. We just go through the whole thing. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Do, do you remember any of them? Like some of the, just, just the I, poor I, ideas that you had. Don't. Yeah. Creep dick. Oh, that's great. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. That sounds like a That was that's kind of a funny. joke one. I don't know. There was a lot um, of joke ones. There was a lot of joke ones, yeah. I don't but remember. But Nice Guys was the original. Nice Guys was the one we were going to go well, with. that's so ironic. That's so funny. Out, people talked us out of it. Yeah, we would because we were all Friends stoked on Nice out. Guys. We, nice we were guys. making logos. We immediately like got into it and made all this, you know, got ideas for artwork and stuff and our friends we would tell them the name and they'd be like really uh, the, the reaction felt like was, it was too internal maybe yeah. they, but they didn't like, get the irony of like nice guys and then the sound it's your sound is so heavy that people wouldn't normally equate nice guys with such a heavy sound that's I, funny to me that's I, like yeah. kind it, of it changes the expectations and it sort of flips it and there's humor there I'm all about humor. Yeah. But we're also uh, nice guys. <laughs> yeah, it's also... It was really... It was just kind of descriptive. Yeah. <laughs> but these bastards... But these yeah. bastards... That one just happened one day. Yeah. Uh, who came up with it? Nobody... In particular, someone I think just went... somebody just, just said it Yeah, well, And then we were all like... Yeah. Oh, it just hit that thing. Yeah, that could be a bad name. It's yeah. A bad it's name. a funny bad name, too. We just sat, sat there riffing on it and and then you know I made and it just fit the concept you know where we were like talking about a lot of the things that we have concerns about that are happening um, you know in our area as well as in our country um, these oh. bastards have really taken us to the cleaner what's you your know? number yeah. one what's your number one concern right now that you think that you're just like well, how is this well, even happening there's stuff you that know. I think about daily, and then there's the larger picture things. Uh, recently, I've been thinking about why we've decided to throw $2 billion toward a Transbay terminal that isn't open, you know, that huh. it took eight years to, Local to make. Local stuff. And then uh, open for two months before it's been closed, and it's cost us millions of dollars every month. And the, the initial reason it was built, uh, a lot of those reasons can't be fulfilled. Um, our, you know, our governor uh, cl is closing down our uh, high-speed rail, which is one of the reasons why that was built. There's a right. huge base that costs $500 million that's under the Transbay Terminal, sitting empty, waiting for trains that are never going to come. Wow. Yeah, we were paying for it. Thanks. So blatant And all you guys across the bridges, all your toes, tolls are going to go toward this giant debt that's sitting there because not only that, there's retail space that should have been opened last oh, year that's sitting wow. around. So all that money they should have been making, is there's no money going there. It's not being used. There's a lot yeah. that's across the street that costs almost nothing, I bet, and it's been in use for years, and it works fine. Wow. What's going on here? Who's making money? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, wow, you know, sorry. You're saying, but you're saying, look, <laughs> but, no, don't be sorry. That's something I've never even thought of. I've never even yeah, thought about it. I mean, well, I knew that it opened and then closed, but I didn't realize. Yeah, it, it cost us such... $2 billion. 
$2 billion. And that's locally. That's like, that's, that's like yeah. San that's Francisco shit. Well, not, uh, I think there's probably money from the whole Bay Area because, sure. uh, you know, the, I know one of the things that they're going to start doing is they're using some of the bridge tolls to start paying off some of the money that they owe mm. because there's a huge bill every month to just to maintain this place. Yeah. It's not even open. We, they should at least make it like a parking structure. I mean, if, if you could, I mean, the way to do it would be to say, hey, you're coming over on the bridge. You paid that toll. Park your car here and then take public transit around the town so that we don't have so much traffic during the day right. and everyone doesn't get so angry. It's a big, huge, empty room. Yeah, Put if, cars in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it was, what are you doing? If it was useful, that'd be something. But right yeah. now, it doesn't look like it's being used. It's not even open. And, you know, I, I, I walk by there every day and I see that the lot that is being used, that, ha- that has been in the use for the last, I don't know, four or five years maybe yeah. works fine works just people fine. are catching their buses they're getting to the East Bay yeah. Yeah. those buses are coming in from the East Bay people are getting on them it's not a problem why have we built two billion dollar structure that does nothing anyway sure no yeah. hey Alex I get it sorry so recently what's, that's what I've been recently what's your what's your biggest uh, societal issue like that man I don't have anything that elaborately thought out as <laughs> as Alex does but you know I mean living in San Francisco for the past 10 years obviously the issues never end and mm-hmm. just pile up with the problems of gentrification and um, predatory developers and landlords. I mean, it's... Yeah, what you had said, all the interesting people are leaving. Because they can't afford to be yeah. there anymore. Yeah, San Francisco was an interesting town. Yeah, I think it still is, and I think there's still music where you can... I mean, I met you at a $10 show where the food was worth more than $10, right. and there were four bands! That's like, yeah. right, and it was a good time. It was a great time! I had a great well, time! It, yeah, uh, yeah. No, it was great, and you know, I mean, we don't have many of these places left. Yep. Yeah. You know, for, I can't say I support the bottom of the hill as much as I should, but... If you do go music, go there. Support live <laughs> yeah. as well. Support live and support live music in San Francisco. Go out and see a band. Go to Benders. You know, every yeah. Saturday night, Benders has it's only five dollars to get in. That's I right. have no idea how they pay their bands and how this all works. Because I mean, it must just all be alcohol sales, huh? Is that like how bands are paid now? You're just it's all based off um, alcohol. It, it just on depends place. on where it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, some places charge covers and mm. they'll give you part of that. Um, yeah, but support live entertainment. I mean, yeah, anybody who's general, getting up anyway, there for your entertainment, right. if it's you know comedy, like in your case, or, or right. live we, theater, or music, or wrestling, right, I have sure, to be a big but fan of. Get out of your get out of your house. Get off the Netflix. Go out yeah. and be a part of the community. Go yeah. see a band. Go yeah. see wrestling. Go see. Yeah. Go experience the world around you instead That's of right. hiding in your house and saying, "Well, I feel like I understand everything because I love Netflix." <laughs> like get get outside. Yeah. Go right. step outside your Nothing like zone. something live. You can listen to all the music you want at home and watch all the DVDs and streaming this and that. But you get into a room where there's music happening. And you're going to experience something different. But even your, you know, even your experience at home listening to music that you already have in your house, like half of, you know, your collection is things that you discovered going out and seeing mm. bands That's and being right. on tour. And so you have a whole music collection in your house that you got from not being in your house. Yeah. Yep. So everybody go out tomorrow night, Thursday, February 21st, see Empty People, These Bastards, Violent Opposition. That ship has sailed at the Elbow Room. Yeah. Jack London Square, Oakland. Doors at 8? Eight? 8. 8, nine, Cool. Eight, nine, somewhere around. Doors are at 8. It's a night show. Doors it's going to be fun. Yeah. Doors at oh, 8. And we've got a band camp. Oh. And we got Facebook. So come say hi to us. Check out our stuff. Mm-hmm. There's some videos on YouTube. 
these bastards. Uh, we're going to close it out with their song. Burn the burn, fucker down. Burn the fucker down. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks Thank for having you, us. Yeah, Thank you, Pam. Yeah, you bet. This has been Mutiny Radio. Coming up next, uh, the Wednesday Wave. So stick around for that. And again, go tomorrow to Elbow Room. Uh, see these bastards. Also, on the 9th, go out to the Parkside Side. and see them along with War Bison, one of my favorite San Francisco bands. My number one favorite San Francisco band, though, is Floating Goat. Oh. I love Floating Goat so much. Do you know Floating Goat? Oh, yeah. But uh, are they still around? Yeah, they're still around. They've been right. playing right now as a band called Hendrixian, and it's the same three guys, but it's Chris Corona. They all do um, Jimi Hendrix covers. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So, but they're fun. But I still, I God, I love Floating Goat. There, I just, I think Aaron Barrett, drummer comedian Aaron Barrett, is a great, great, great drummer. He's also a very funny comedian, but he quit comedy. Okay. But he's really, really funny. Ask him to do a George W. Bush impression okay. if you've ever seen. Okay, him. all right. Be like Aaron Dillis, your George W. Bush impression. Uh, we're gonna listen to one last song from these bastards. Go see them. Thanks for listening to Mutiny Radio. Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday. 
parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Benders is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Benders Bar and Grill. Hi, 
Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at muniradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips, don't <laughs> anything about it sorry all on my limited view yes every tuesday from 12 to 2 uh oh you can if you can also find us on apple Podcasts. oh yeah and google play and stitcher itunes oh you already said that tune in radio uh stitcher you said that spotify oh my god there's just so many and overcast um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your review. Yes. Bye. Bye. That, that kind of sucked balls. My friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. There's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! i